Time. It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. All right, here we go. Starting off hour two with a bang. Welcome into hour two of the show in the Bureau of the Farm Bureau Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents. And also staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Lots of ways for you to be a part of the show in hour number two. We kind of starting this hour off the same way we started the show off today. And that is looking back at the last 16 years and sort of celebrating the career of Sean Payton as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And all of the things that he brought to that team, the organization, uh, the city, the winning, the offense, the you know NFC titles, and that Super Bowl championship. Somebody that is really intimately familiar with all of it. Not just a close perspective. I'm talking in the huddle during a much of it. Is on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment. Madison and in Jackson. He is Deuce McAllister. He's in the Saints Hall of Fame. He's on their broadcast crew uh, right now as we speak. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't, at McAllister 26 formerly number 26 for the New Orleans Saints. Hey, Deuce, thanks for a little bit of time here. I know it's a, um, an interesting time for you guys. Um, when you saw the news yesterday of uh, Coach Payton stepping away from the Saints, what was your reaction? I wasn't surprised yesterday. Um, kind of had a pretty good indication over the weekend mm. that he was leaning that way. But, of course, Mickey, uh, who is the general manager, Dennis Lauscher, who is the president, and Miss Benson, uh, who, obviously who is the owner, were trying to convince him to maybe take a little bit more time and make sure that t- that is what he truly wanted to do. So yesterday just confirmed some of the things that we were kind of hearing from some pretty good sources or people that were in the know, so to speak. You know, and before we kind of dive into some of the details that, that you remember and, and in your relationship and workings there with the team, Deuce, just kind of overall glancing back at the last 16 years, you know, you're in the broadcast world now and it's – what you get paid to do is come up with the right words. So how do you frame up Sean Payton's career with the New Orleans Saints? He took a organization and a franchise from a laughing stock to one that had to be considered legit. With his ability to talk and to get the best out of players, uh, I would have to rank it up there with the top five coaches uh, in the NFL currently today. And so the disappointing part about it, over those 16 years, you only won one championship. Mm. Because I feel like truly you probably had the talent to probably win at least three championships. And that's probably the most disappointing part about it. When I look at it, and even knowing him and talking to him and listening to him talk, I don't think it's the end. I don't think that it's the end of coaching for him. Uh, you know, I could for surely seeing him getting in on not only from a coaching standpoint, but on the general manager side at some point. But I think his next move is television. Okay. Deuce McAllister on your radio right now. Deuce, you were with the Saints 01 through 08. You're in the Saints Hall of Fame, a major part of that team. And so right smack dab in what was almost 
it's kind of seemed like the middle of your career with the Saints, is when he came in and took over in that 2006 season. With everything you guys and the city and everybody had gone through with Katrina, he comes in in 06, January of 06. Two months later, in comes Drew Brees as a quarterback. What was it like to be a part of that when Sean Payton took over? What was that change like? From something as simple of not having to lift weights in a tent, <laughs> you, you got a legitimate, uh, <laughs> you got a legitimate weight room. From something as simple as um, not having to get box food, you got a legitimate kitchen or cafeteria like you had at college, and so little things like that you never really consider because you think, well, you're in the NFL. You should be getting your own food. Well, I mean, that may be true, too, to an extent. But if you are investing into a player, then you should want to invest 100% towards that player. Mm -hmm. And we weren't necessarily doing that in the beginning of my career. And for him to kind of change that whole mindset of we're not going to be a laughing stock anymore. We want to be one of the elite teams. And, you know, to put yourself in one of the top ten teams year in and year out while he was here to say, that team's going to the playoffs. The question is, will they be the one seed or will they be the number two seed or at least, at worst, a wild card? That's what he kind of did for the organization and franchise. And he completely changed the culture. So you're saying he he changed the culture and the mindset by by paying attention to details. It wasn't so much he called better plays. It was he changed things from the bottom up in the organization. No, uh, 100% correct. He just changed how you wanted to operate. He changed um, how everything was uh, going to uh, be done as far as the organization is concerned. So uh, it was basically a mindset, and he created the culture of this is how it's done. This is some of what we did in Dallas. This is some of what we did in New York. And he kind of combined all that, and that's what we have here in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Deuce McAllister on your radio right now. Hey, and Deuce, so um, I'm taking a little liberty here. I want to go down memory lane one more thing about that 06 season and get your reaction to it. Because to me, this is when the magic started to happen with the Saints and and Sean Payton at the helm. And, we, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, but – his first season, okay, that 06 season, y'all uh, started out two games on the road. You started the season 3-0, but you went on the road, won the first game that he coached with, with Drew there as quarterback against the Browns on the road. Um, the, the next week you're on the road again, you go to Green Bay and win. And then post-Katrina, you had what they called uh, dome coming, not homecoming, but dome coming. And I played these highlights from that game, one of the most incredible atmospheres I've ever seen on television. I want to hit these highlights and then come back to you for your remembrances of that particular game against the Atlanta Falcons, first game back in the Dome after Katrina. Look out! Right through! A pick block by Steve Gleason! It is scooped and scored by Curtis DeLoach! This is first down. It's in the hands of Bush. It's in the hands of Devery Henderson, the former LSU Tiger, in the end zone in the Louisiana Superdome. Touchdown, New Orleans. Uh, Phil, that's what they look at. Lots of them. Morton Anderson, good from 26, is blocked on this 
What a night it's been for the special teams. Josh Bullock's a safety came in to get that. And Joe DiCamillo's the special teams coach. What an unbelievable night and atmosphere it was for the first game back in the Dome. You guys beat the Falcons 23-3, to and there was this feeling of, hey, something special going on here. And, of course, it did culminate in, in 09. But when you look back at that particular moment, Deuce, what was it like for you? We had an opportunity to go into the Superdome that Friday night for the first time. And the thing that you remember were all the images that you watched on television, and a lot of them in a negative way. And to be in there and to know that we are welcoming people back for the first time in over a year, you shed a tear. I mean, you literally cried. And I'll never forget some of the words that Coach Payton told us before that game. Everything is perfect. Every, every, everything is perfect. It was a Monday night. Everybody will be watching. The job for you is to not screw it up and go win the football game. Because, yeah, it's a great story that you're reopening the dome, but the story becomes not messing it up by winning the football game. And even a couple of plays that you just I just heard, you kind of forget. I mean, you, you, you forget about it. Uh, you, you obviously don't forget the block punt by Steve Gleason, particularly after knowing what he is going through now. But, you know, the block field goal or the reverse to Devery, you kind of forget some of that stuff. Even for myself, after knowing it and hearing a little bit, I didn't have a 100-yard game, so I'm kind of upset about that. But the overall objective, you had to win that game. Yeah, And, and you did, 23-3. to It was dominant, really, in all three phases. I remember watching that Thursday night atmosphere. I don't know that I've ever seen one on TV that was displayed quite like that. And I, I wonder, Deuce, was that the best dome atmosphere you were ever a part of there in New Orleans? Or have there been others that like that and we just don't realize it? No, I think uh, to go to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, gotcha. To, 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 to go to the NFC Championship game, I mean, because even though you know we know we didn't make the Super Bowl, to be able to say we're going to the NFC Championship game against Philly, uh, that was my first playoff game uh, ever playing in after being in the league for six years. That 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 was special. And then, obviously, of course, you talk about in 09 to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that was one where, you know, as Jim Henderson said, pigs have flown. I mean, because that was that that was a moment that you'll, you'll never forget because you never thought that the New Orleans Saints would be going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and Deuce, yesterday when we get the news of Coach Payton stepping away from the Saints, which even though there were hints of that, I still don't think I was ready to believe it was actually going to happen. And now here we are. And I go back and I was looking at those Super Bowl highlights from the 09 season. It was actually February of 2010. And at the end, and they've got him up on their shoulders and they're pouring Gatorade on him and everything. And I just couldn't help but think that you know, with everything the organization had been, I mean, this is a it's a Hollywood type of story that I don't think prior to him pulling it off as the head coach, anybody would have believed it was possible. You know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> Matt, he, he he spoke about us having to go on fundraising trips to <laughs> sell out the dome. I mean, I, I was a part of that. And what what I mean by that, we were asking people to buy season tickets. We were asking companies to commit to be able to say, hey, look, we want this game on television. Uh, we had to sell, you know, and so, so for that to be the case, it has to technically be a sellout. 
Mm-hmm. So we were going to businesses. You would get an extension on Thursday. You would get an extension because you had not sold out. The extension would be on Friday. And then you would have different companies that would commit and say, yes, we'll buy the remaining X amount of tickets. Mm-hmm. That was who we were as far as a franchise. When he came and we started to winning with Reggie and, and, and True, that all changed. Now there's a waiting list. I mean, and so a lot of the younger Saints fans, they don't remember some of that stuff, but that is true. Yeah, it, it is amazing. Well, you know what, Deuce, you just said it. You said a lot of the younger fans don't remember. We had somebody who's a lifelong Saints fan text in earlier on the show and said, hey, young people don't even believe that the whole bag over the head era ever existed for the Saints. See, that's that to me, you know, you ask somebody who's 20 years old, all they know is the Saints win the NFC South every year. That's all they know. <laughs> I was a part of it. The owner called us a high school team, and we had gotten embarrassed on Sunday night football. Peyton in Indianapolis had thumped us, yeah. and he was like, hey, look, that the high school team could play better than you guys. And so <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was a part of that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And maybe a little hubris in there, but he was just trying to get his point across. Deuce McAllister on your radio right now. And by the way, if you don't follow him on Twitter, give him a follow at McAllister 26 He's in the broadcast booth now for the Saints. And, you know, you mentioned it, Deuce. Um, there's been some other teams years here recently, 17, 18, 19, that were Super Bowl-caliber teams. And then you had the Rams game where they just kind of jerked the rug right out from underneath your feet. How, how much of the way – the seasons played out here recently, do you think affected Sean Payton's decision to re- to step away at this point? I don't think it's the seasons. Okay. I think it's off the field. Okay. I don't think it was the seasons that affected him. I think with everything going on in the world the last two years, from a testing standpoint, from a – Sean always burned the, ca- uh, burned the candle as far as long hours was concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they stay there at 2 o'clock. They have living quarters at the facility because he didn't want guys leaving 2.30 having to be back over there at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. And I think it just caught up with him with everything else off the field that they're having to deal with. And so, yes, the stress of, of football, that, 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 that's any coach. But sure. the extra stuff on top of it, it was just like, man, I probably need to step away. Mm-hmm. And then particularly when you lose one or two close coaching buddies as well and i mean to like lose their life that 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 makes you want to i need to probably open my eyes and make sure that i'm 100 percent in this thing and you know he just wasn't there yeah no it's it's a, a heck of a point deuce where do they go from here do you, and i know it's early i look i know he just announced he's stepping away yesterday but what do you think is next for the saints well, I think the odds-on favorite is obviously Dennis Allen, you know, uh, to be able to take over. Uh, I know that, you know, a couple guys, uh, Eric Benjamin will probably get an interview. Coach Flores will probably get an interview. You also have uh, your your defensive back coach, Chris Richard, will, will, will get an interview. And, you know, Aaron Glenn are a couple that will get an interview. And so, 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 so Mickey's job is to be able to acquire information and to find the best fit. You know, because I know a lot of people are saying, hey, look, why not just start completely over? That's, that's not his mentality. Ms. Benson is not going to allow that to happen. Uh, they will be competitive. They won't be in a fire sale where they just trade and get rid of a couple guys to, to go all the way completely young. I've seen that a little bit. 
they're going to be competitive. Now, will you lose a few players? Of course. You got you, that was whether Sean was there or not. You've got to get your, your quarterback situation handled. You've got to get that position solved, and then you you'll get your cap. They'll re-sign some guys or restructure two or three contracts, and they will be able to get under the cap. So uh, they'll be competitive, but you know it'll be interesting to see what true direction they do go in. Is it a pretty safe assumption? that whoever the coach is, the team and the organization is going to go to the draft in April and take a quarterback in that first round? Is that Am I, am I okay to assume that? Uh, I would watch what they do in free agency. Okay. I mean, because his philosophy is always, and this is Mickey's and Sean, let's pick the best player available. Let's not pigeonhole ourselves where we have to go and pick a certain player. If the best player available is a quarterback, then of course that's what the moves that they make. But I think the free agency will say a lot of what they end up doing as well. Okay, so if we were to go like full internet message board then, Deuce, um, with Sean Payton stepping away, we don't know who's going to step in, but is there some possibility that there are conversations between, I don't know, somebody who could be the coach of the Saints and Aaron Rodgers, just just to bring up a name? Uh, yes and no. For Aaron, I don't think the fit is there anymore without okay. Sean. Okay. Uh, you know, even for a, 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 a Russell Wilson, the, the, the draw was Sean. Mm-hmm. The draw was to play for Sean Payton. And, I mean, unless you're just bringing in, you know, you know their OC, I don't know if the fit is there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, see, and that's what I was – that's kind of just, again, I said internet message board because you're sitting there going, okay, well, what if there was a strong connection, let's just say, with Aaron Rodgers' agent, where you get word in the front office, look, if we hire the right guy, not that we would let some free agent pick our head coach, but if we hire the right guy, we got a real shot to maybe bring him in. I, I guess what I was just, you know, speculating is I wonder yeah. if that kind of thing would affect the decision on the coach. I doubt it because the problem becomes, from a compensation standpoint, to those other teams. Will they accept, you know, two first rounders? Will yeah. they trade in the division? Uh, and, and so I just don't see them going that far out. Uh, they, they're they're going to find the right fit for the organization, and then if it happens to fall right from that standpoint, oh, he also represents X player, then it it it, it goes in that direction. But I, I don't see them brokering a deal not knowing from a compensation standpoint that that's already worked out sure deuce do you think that uh, the the coach that steps in there you think he's already up against it a little bit from an expectation standpoint having to step in for a guy with a legacy at at, at the saints like sean payton i mean if, if from a fan and excitement standpoint yeah yeah no doubt <laughs> One hundred percent, he's up against it, and 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 that's one of the things that you know you have to have a guy that's comfortable in his skin that knows that and understands that as well. He's up against it, and so every every move will be mocked, every move, every you know decision will be mocked, no doubt about that. And then here's the other thing, also, uh, just from a rumor mill standpoint, uh, if he doesn't go, he says he's not coaching. We never know what may happen. He's not coaching this year, whether he does or not. The Saints still own his rights for the next three years as far as salary is concerned and uh, contract is concerned. It doesn't go away if he doesn't coach. It just resets. It tolls. And so um, a team would literally have to trade picks 
and or players and or cash to be able to acquire Sean Payton from the New Orleans Saints. That's whether he coaches this year, whether he doesn't coach next year, whether he doesn't coach in two years. It it doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, Deuce, speaking of the Internet, you know, Cowboys fans are already trying to figure out what, how many first-round picks they'd have to give up in the future years to get him to come coach them. You know, and that's been the speculation, too, because, you know, there was some connection there. But I know that's uh, – some water well, got to go uh, And, and I, 100, I, I 100% agree. But I can guarantee you it, it would take – you're talking at least a starting point of probably two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and, and some type of starting player. Mm-hmm. And I've come into that, you know, uh, publicly, and that's just not hearsay. That that's uh, that's knowing pretty good at least where the conversation would have to start. How about that? And that is a truckload of assets for sure. Uh, no doubt. One hundred percent. I mean, it really is. As long as they don't trade broadcasters, Deuce, we don't want we don't want you having to go <laughs> do somebody else's games. Thank you, buddy. I really do appreciate your time today very very much. Thank you. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me. All right, talk to you soon. That's Deuce McAllister, former Ole Miss running back, former New Orleans Saints great. He's in the Saints Hall of Fame, and he's in their broadcast booth now. You don't think they'd trade him too, do you? (laughs) Hey. I think he's on the right end of that. Olivier, I'll pass it along. Definitely. I'll text him right now. Shout out to Deuce. It's National Spouses Day. Let's see where that can go. Hope you all enjoyed the Deuce McAllister conversation. Just getting going here at hour number two in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. He's going all the way. With playoff caliber sports talk, it's the Matt Wyatt Show. All right, here we go. Welcome back to the show. I don't know about you, I really enjoyed that conversation with uh, Deuce McAllister. You know, he's played for the Saints. He's in their Hall of Fame. He's a thousand-yard rusher once, maybe twice, uh, in his uh, career there with the Saints. Played, it was either three or four, I think three seasons under Sean Payton right at the end of his career. And unfortunately for Deuce, his last year in the NFL was 08. As a player, they win the Super Bowl in 09, but... Still a, a sweet moment for him, you know, being a part of their organization. Just um, really enjoyed that. Speaking of uh, football in the NFL, where they play for pay. I'm going to read you a quote. From Ben Baby, who covers the Cincinnati Bengals for ESPN. In an interview with Joe Burrow, former LSU Fighting Tiger quarterback. Now, he's a Bengal Tiger quarterback, and he's doing stuff in the NFL he ain't supposed to be doing right now. And he'll lead his Cincinnati Bengals into Arrowhead Stadium. Home of the Kansas City Chiefs. Quote, Joe Burrow says the crowd noise at Arrowhead is going to be similar to the crowds he played in front of in the SEC. 
When he rolls in there, and listen, here's the thing about it. In in both ways, it's correct. The the atmosphere for a home game at Arrowhead Stadium is the closest thing to a Southeastern Conference America big is game. A special game, a unique game, played nowhere else on earth. It is a rare game. The men who play it make it so. It's as close to an SEC game as anything else in the NFL. People go, wait, 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 man, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Buffalo, yeah, I know. Saints in the dome, I get it. Go to one. You haven't been. He knows what he's talking about. Has played in a bunch of them. Crowd noise, everything else. They're not all similar to a packed-out SEC game. But this one is going to be. That's his quote. Isn't it amazing that the highest level in the NFL, players go from the SEC into the NFL, and they compare the atmosphere and the crowd noise to the SEC. The SEC is what they compare the NFL to (laughs) in that regard. So the schedule for the weekend, uh, man, I cannot wait. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! It'll be a 2 p.m. kickoff on CBS, Bengals at Chiefs, AFC Championship, one win from another Super Bowl appearance for Patrick Mahomes. One win away for the Bengals' first Super Bowl appearance since I was in diapers. Sort of close. You know, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Then at 5.30 on Fox on Sunday, 49ers-Rams. It'll be at SoFi in Inglewood, California. Looks like a spaceship came down and just sat down out there, and they pl- it's like they play football in it. Uh, but that, I can't wait for that one. So that's a 5.30 kick on Fox. So, so AFC Championship game, Bengals at Chiefs and Arrowhead, 2 o'clock CBS. NFC Championship game, two California teams playing in California. 49ers, Rams, 5.30 on Fox. And that's your schedule for NFL football uh, this Sunday. Now, back to yesterday's baseball discussion just to tie a nice little tidy bow on the top of it and then throw it over our shoulder and be done with it. David Ortiz is... The only one that the uh, sports writers voted in. He's humbled. I first of all want to thank God, you know, for giving me the opportunity to be part of this uh, uh, very elite uh, group of players. That's what pretty much every player uh, um, dream of. You know, my family, the support throughout the year from my family. I mean, I don't, I don't think uh, I would have done it, you know, without the support coming from the family, you know, the family is one of the most important thing uh, that as a player you can ever accomplish. And the fans, without a doubt, the organization, the Red Sox. Played most for the Red Sox. We forget that he finished, um, I mean, that he started in Minnesota, don't we? We forget that. He didn't go to Boston until 03. Okay, so uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, 10-time All-Star, won the Home Run Derby one year, seven-time Silver Slugger, three-times World Series champs, got three rings, World Series MVP, 
American League Championship Series MVP, without question a Hall of Famer, 541 home runs in his career, career average of 286. The big man even stole 17 bases somehow, some way. Here's what it sounded like when he hit his 500th home run. Sitting on 499 home runs. Ortiz to right field. Back goes Souza. Looking up. It is gone. David Ortiz, the newest member of the 500 club. Big Poppy, the greatest clutch hitter in Red Sox history, adds to his resume with number 500. And it was at 41 more after that one. Tom Verducci of the Major League Baseball Network, MLB Network, says that he was one of the greatest postseason hitters of all time. Well, David Ortiz changed history. I mean, you yep. can make a case, and you can do this by stats. He's the greatest clutch hitter in postseason history. Amazing. There's a stat called win probability added. Basically, it takes when you got your hits, how it changed the outcome of games. No one has a bigger win probability yeah. added than David Ortiz in the postseason. Changed history besides great regular season numbers. Man, if we can't do stats, what are we going to do with baseball, huh? I mean, stat after stat after stat. Now, same guy, Tom Verducci. What about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens? Guy with the most strikeouts ever? Clemens. Guy with the most home runs ever? Bonds. Not being in the Hall of Fame. Either confirmed PED use or assumed. And they're not in. And they're out of chances. What about them not being in? I'll put it this way on Bonds and Clements. Like a basketball team making a rally late, they ran out of time. Tenth year on the ballot. They were really progressing towards getting in. But the rule change from 15 years on the ballot to 10 really caught Mm -hmm. up with them because they were trending. And by the way, the other thing I noticed, guys, and this is part of that, younger voters coming on, not enough to get them in this quickly, but the full ballots now have more than double just from last year. So people are looking to vote for more players. Yeah, but didn't happen fast enough. Okay. Yeah, he just ran out of time. Kind of like Mississippi State at the end of that Kentucky game last night. Had to go to overtime, but they got more time and then got outscored 10-2 to 2 in overtime. See, I, I differ. I know that it was trending that way, but you here's the thing about it. What in anybody's right mind would lead them to believe that if the rules were the same as they used to be, even if Bonds and Clemens had five more years – 15 instead of 10. Five more after this one. You're gonna, they're going to get to 75%. It took them 10 years to get to 65. So in five more years, they're going to go up another 10%? No. I mean, they weren't getting in. This wasn't happening. All right. I want to go back to a few comments. that it, These kind of are back to previous subjects, but I want to get to those. As I mentioned, Louvier, I got your text. Uh, shout out. Deuce says hi. Patrick had a question for Deuce. He was wondering what his favorite memory with Drew Brees and Peyton was. Patrick, I'm sorry I didn't get to that in time. I really enjoyed some of the thoughts of looking back at that time and the difference that Sean Peyton made. Hearing it from Deuce, you know, this is a guy that played four or five years, even had a 1,000-yard rushing year in the NFL before Sean Peyton even got to New Orleans. And Deuce says when Sean Peyton got there, the things that he changed most was the the mindset and the culture starting with little things. He said – now all of a sudden this coach is here. Now we're not having to lift weights out here in a tent in a parking lot somewhere. We're not picking up boxes of food. We have an actual cafeteria. He said, you know, basically what I heard is a guy who came in and said, you know what, we're not treating this team and organization like it's second class anymore. 
We're going to treat it just like everybody else. We're going to get everything that everybody else has. We're getting rid of this mentality that we're lesser because we're not, and we're going to win. And then, then he, he does all this. Everybody immediately jumps on board. Players are 100% behind him, giving him all they got. Right out of the shoots, 06, post-Katrina. They haven't even played in the Dome yet because of Katrina. They start the season in 06, two games on the road, go to Cleveland and win the opener, go the next week to Green Bay, beat them, come home the third week, first game in the Dome. You saw the, you remember the atmosphere. They beat the Falcons 23-3. It couldn't have been any more perfect. They win the game. They dominate it. Three different phases. The Gleason block punt. You had a block field goal in there also. Dome full is just unbelievable. Is there's more emotion than just football that played into it, and they dominate the game to go three and zero to start that season. Next thing you know, they won what thirteen games that year. His first year it is just incredible. The turnaround. My man Scott Stacy texts the show. He said I ran into Deuce at Canton Country Club. He spent a few minutes talking to a couple of us. Really nice guy. Yeah, Deuce. He look. He's. Uh, He's always been really nice to me, but I think he's just genuinely a good person. And I appreciate him giving some time. He's an easy guy to pull for. And he really is. Several people, including Deuce, bringing up Eric Bieniemy's name from Kansas City. As a Chiefs fan, I just wish y'all would stop. Things are good. Things are good. Like they are. Let's just, let's just leave it like it is. <laughs> Let me get it like it is just for a few more weeks. All right, when we come back, we'll hit the phone and a guest in studio. I wonder who that could be. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Are you ready? Now back to the guy who loves his banana pudding. It's the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. Well, we got the whole gang here now. <laughs> you hear her laughing? Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Hey. Thanks, Bill. Welcome to the homecoming queen to the show. She's in the bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, but she's not the only one. I just I have my squad with me. <laughs> she came in here, Bill, and the dog followed her, and two cats are in here now also. Yeah, it's my squad. Uh, Big squad. Al. Big Al, the dumpster kitty. That thing, he weighs, how much does he weigh? 18. He might be more than that. He now. weighs more than that. He was 18 now. like two years ago. <laughs> He's huge. I don't know. He comes in. He's been hitting a dumpster. <laughs> he jumped up in my desk chair over there and took his little paw and started reaching in the drawer and pulling everything out to play with it. Yeah. Yeah. He's something else. They don't come in here unless you come in here. It's exciting well, times here in the bureau. It's National Spouses in the Day. Studio. National yeah. Spouses Day. Happy National Spouses Day. It means you're supposed to celebrate me. And be thankful for me. Well, that's what that means. Because I, I celebrate for you every day, Matt. Well, you maybe you should tell me more. Okay. See, I tell you, and I celebrate you, and <laughs> and thankful for you every day. Did you bring me on to tell me what I'm not doing correctly <laughs> no. in celebrating you? No, I'm just but, kidding. But today is. I don't know what we're supposed to do for National Spouses Day, other than just hang out. You know, well, and tell you, hey, love, never, love you, babe. I've never heard of such. <laughs> By the way, it's also uh, National Peanut Brittle Day. Oh, I love peanut brittle. I do. Well, too. I'm sorry. I'm not going to have time to do that today. You're not going to make me any peanut brittle? Mm -mm. 
That's okay. I do love peanut brittle, though. Hey, Louvier would be glad to know that you and I are discussing. We're going to get ingredients and make some gluten-free gumbo. Yes. Because. Country-pleasing sausage. Yep. Yeah. Which is gluten-free. Which is gluten-free. For that matter. And we have a good recipe. I think we're going to do it this weekend. Mm -hmm. We're going to try it. Take some video and some pictures and then give a full report on Monday. All right. Let's hit the phone lines. Uh, Divinity Equipment phone. Ready, Teddy. Hanging on line one. Hey, Teddy. What's up? Hey, Matt. We don't have the casserole hour anymore, man. I'm just going to have a cup of, cup of gumbo on this call. Attaboy. Uh, <laughs> Attaboy. That's great. So, uh, back back when the Saints came to the Dome, that weekend, that was a Monday night, by the way, the 25th, my brother was getting married, got married, in either Gulf Shores or Orange Beach, one of them, on the 23rd. So, me and my wife, first edition, go to his wedding. And that time of year, all the restaurants and stuff started, you know, start winding down and closing down early. Well, if you know me, that did not suit too well for being on vacation. So that Sunday, I said, why don't we go to New Orleans for the Saints Falcons game? She goes, those tickets are outrageous. I said, we don't have to go. Let's just go to BP in the city. So that's what we did. So I had some two buddies that were going to meet me there. And we, we, we went to this bar. And I'm going to tell you something I had at this bar, on side bar. That was the first time I'd ever had a deep fried Half rack of ribs, man. <laughs> they fried the ribs. Fried ribs. The I've whole never rack. heard of that. Or half rack. I never heard of that. Either. Yeah, they they, they they battered half of the rack and fried it. It was unbelievable. But so anyway, my two buddies said, "Come on, man, meet us at the stadium. We're gonna buy some tickets from some scalpers and go in." I was like, "Nah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here in this packed out bar with you know 300 Saints fans and then enjoy it right here." You know. Anyway, so those two buddies, man, about. Midway through the second quarter, they come in looking absolutely dejected. I said, what happened? Watch out at the game. Matt, they had bought not fake tickets. They had purchased two stolen tickets oh. and couldn't get in. Oh, so, no. Those tickets have been restored, reported stolen in a car burglary. Oh. So somebody got those tickets. Oh. So they couldn't get in. The person had, the person had canceled their tickets. Oh, and I told, my, I, I told my wife, I said, aren't you glad? We didn't go down there and do something <laughs> stupid like that. Spend a thousand dollars on two. Spend a thousand dollars on two tickets. Night. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I mean, the only but thing anyway, they yeah. got out of it was a story. That's the only thing they got out of. Yeah, it. Yeah, but he got some fried ribs. He got fried ribs yeah. out of. It. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think I don't think they're the ones telling it. I'm telling it. They probably don't <laughs> want to talk about it. Probably not. <laughs> that's a great I'd be memory. Furious. Wow. Oh, oh, and one more one one more quick thing. Beaver is not a Saints fan. But he has agreed to take me up on his offer. I'm going to take him to a Saints game next year and let him experience That's great. Aww. And I hope to hear all about it. You know, because anything like that, Beaver has a very unique and entertaining way of recounting experiences in his life, telling them, you know, telling the story. And I always get a kick out of it. So That'll I'll be, be looking forward to that one. Good stuff. Take some pictures, well, too. Well, yeah, well, he's very excited. Thank you all. Yeah, thank you, Teddy. I bet he is. That'll be fun. Yeah. We need to we need to take Mary Liddy down for a game. Yeah. I we, mean, I've been really to the Dome several times. Okay, so speaking of that, yeah. yesterday, I never got to it on the show, but yesterday was National Plan Your Vacation Day. You told me, yeah. Now, we already have gotten it planned, basically. We do the family thing. But oh, yeah, the beach. 
but I started, I had all these other thoughts started popping up in my head of stuff. Well, what about this? You know, just, Bill, you know, planning. Bill, you know how I know things are popping into his head? He starts texting me randomly. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe a little light bulb. He's, no, he starts, well, oh. I can see the light bulb going off <laughs> when he, when I get these random links to all these different places we need to be, we need to be, we need to plan this. We got to do this. We got to go here. I found a mountain cabin. In Chattanooga. I think it was Chattanooga. Yeah. Those were beautiful. Next to the river. Okay. It was beautiful. Nice. Found it. Pet friendly. Found it. Just Camp, thought I was in the Champ can go. But you know what else I thought of? It means the crew can go with it. That's right. The crew, the squad. Uh, I also thought, I want to go to the new aquarium on the coast and take Mary Liddy. Oh, on the Mississippi Gulf Coast? Yes. They yeah. opened it either last year or the year before. Like, But it's really recently that they opened this thing. And what is the deal? Is it Hattiesburg or I don't know? There's a zoo. Now Hattiesburg Somebody, has a zoo where they have sloths, and Mary Lee's yes. always wanted to see you can hold a sloth. Is that Hattiesburg or is well, that maybe? I don't know if you can. I don't know. There's I don't, some some place has that. Okay, I do know Hattiesburg has a zoo because I saw it with my own eyes. I was in Hattiesburg about two well, three maybe weeks. Maybe it was ago. Hattiesburg. I was thinking it was more. Look, that zoo further in, south. Well, and, okay. Let's, side note. It's interesting how you say Hattiesburg and I say Hattiesburg. I don't know which is correct. Hattiesburg? Okay, but in Hattiesburg, they have a zoo. Here's the thing, though, Annie. Why are you calling it Hattiesburg? That's just what I say. That's how I pronounce it. Okay, so right. Hardy Street, you know, basically highway, what's that highway? 59. Runs north and south right through, that's a big highway, runs right through north and south through Hattiesburg and goes all the way to Laurel and stuff. But then you get off it, it to go to Southern Miss on Hardy Street. Right. Okay, okay. And it runs east and west. Okay. And it's like a main thoroughfare from one side of Hattiesburg to the other. And, All the, and it goes and, and east on it goes right past Southern Miss. Right past all the Robert St. John's restaurants, right past Southern Miss, and then right on into old downtown Hatt, uh, Hattiesburg, where the Sanger Theater is and the old depot and it's gorgeous. And people don't realize how pretty old downtown Hattiesburg is. Well, anyway, that zoo is sitting right on Hardy Street because when I was coming back from downtown, I had to pull over right across from the zoo, four-lane road, and right on the other side of the road is the zoo, and there's a giraffe, two giraffes walking around just looking at people. <laughs> there's nothing but a fence, wow. a chain-link fence about, you know, 10 feet tall or whatever it is, between those cars zipping up and down Hardy Street and giraffes. He's just sitting there chewing something, looking at me like a like a camel. And I just stared at him, and he looked at me, and I took a picture or two. It's just right there. And I thought, now, I'm not telling him how to run a zoo here. Well, they're, well. But. Obviously, it's working. What I'm saying is. These giraffes are fine where they are. You might want, one of your biggest attractions are the giraffes. Yeah. Literally and theoretically. I'm saying you should want people to have to pay to come in oh, in order I to see. be able to see the giraffe. Instead of just pulling over and saying, hey, kids, because check out the giraffes. I'm just saying if I lived in Hattiesburg, for instance, and I could go whenever I wanted, and I had a small child. You may just pull across the street with, <laughs> and a, they said, with hey. a snack and just say, hey, look at the giraffes. I want to go to the zoo. All right. All right, get in the car. We drive up, go park at the pool hall across the street, Bill, and just sorry. watch the giraffe walk around. He's gone off on a complete. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bill. I knew you would have that reaction because I thought 
There we go. You know, you can kind of. It's kind of like going to a ball game and just, you know, getting up on the roof across the street and watching the ball game. We don't actually have to buy these tickets to go in there. Yeah, well, Matt, <laughs> just leave that there. <laughs> I mean, buy the ticket. I found myself. Don't be so cheap. Golly. I found myself thinking. Thank you, Bill. I thought, okay, if I were to turn in that driveway over there, wonder what else I could see. (laughs) Maybe I could see. Happy National Spouses Day to my spouse. Maybe I could. Full of great ideas. Maybe I could go to those folks' driveway. Maybe I can see the sloths. Just look at them from the I fence. Think the sloths are further. I, I think they're <laughs> down on the coat. I don't think it's Hattiesburg. <clears throat> I know this. You don't want a sloth anywhere near Hardy Street because they have a lot of traffic. Yeah, they may not make it across. Squirrels are one thing. Yeah. Sloth make a big mess. <laughs> we digress. This this conversation is going nowhere but down. <laughs> oh, Lordy. So you had Deuce. That was great. Oh, I enjoyed that so much. You know, and looking back on it, too, you're talking about a guy who kind of went through it himself and played for Sean Payton and played with Drew Brees there for a few years. And Hey, also, I'll tell you this, Annie. I um, love Deuce. On this day in 1983 mm-hmm. is the day that Bear Bryant passed away. Oh, really? Yeah, he was 69 years old. Gosh, he was young. Yeah, <laughs> see? See what I mean? He was in his 60s. Bear Bryant was 69 years old when he died in 1983. And, you know, my whole life, if you had asked me, I would have told you I was, what, probably 80, 81? Oh, my goodness. No. Well, why did he die? Do you know? I don't know. But we were talking about it earlier. Well, we were talking about it earlier. He just, he, he, he was an old 69 years old. You know, he, he looked older. Bill was telling me, Bill's 68. You see, Bill, you think he's... 55 years old, you know? I think Bill is at least 40. Looks at least just 40. Yeah. Well, appreciate right, that. Right, Bill? He's a... I appreciate that. <laughs> he's a young... I resemble sister. that remark. <laughs> he's, he's a youngster. He's a youngster. All right, young boys and girls, we got to wrap it up. Happy Spouses Day, Happy Matt. Spouses Day, Homecoming Queen. Thanks for coming by. Um, Bill, look forward to seeing you on Friday. I yep. will, if y'all are listening, I will not be here tomorrow. I got to go see a man about a dog, and then I'll be back on Friday, and we'll wrap the week up. <laughs> I don't know if that was the right thing, but no. we'll go with that. Yeah, you know whatever. What I, mean. I don't know what he meant. In other words, I'll be back on Friday. So y'all have a good day tomorrow. See you on Friday in the Farm Bureau studio. See you then.